to the Prophecy Club, and let me just say a very, very Merry Christmas to all of you folks out there. I'm going to talk about the feasts related to the prophecies today. Yes, this is in the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, and yes, for you to really get a true understanding, you're going to have to get that book. I got an email the other day, I probably should have pulled it up here, but this guy says, you know, I've I've studied prophecy for a lot of years, but I read your book, and I realized I didn't know very much about it. But now, having read your book, I consider myself to be a prophecy expert. Well, good for you, brother. I agree. I think that's the reason God gave this book, because I don't think it's anything I did. I think that we really are in the last days. I think Jesus really is going to be returning in our lifetimes here very soon. And so he's given this to the last day's church, the tribulation saints, so that they can understand. Maybe the other saints of the past, eh, not so important that they understand these details. But for us, it's very important that we understand these. So to get started, what happened was back in 2017, just as a project, I mean, to tell you the whole story, I memorized uh, Psalm 23. And I enjoyed that. I kind of sort of had it memorized through the years, but I mean, I really got it down. And then I memorized Psalm 91. I was actually kind of surprised myself to get those down. Then this nagging kept coming to my heart that I needed to memorize Revelation. Of course, anybody with any kind of a mind would ignore ignore that. Who can memorize the book of Revelation? So I thought, all right, all right, fine. I'll do anything you tell me to do. And actually, I didn't really think I would be able to do it. I wasn't going to tell Leslie because, you know, nobody wants to say you're going to do something, then they don't do it. So I decided what am I going to start telling Leslie. So then I decided that I read those first seven verses in, in the book of Revelation. I said, those are too complicated. I'm going to start at verse 8. So actually, I started at Revelation 1.8. After I was able to memorize all the way to the end of the chapter, then I went back and memorized the first seven verses. And looking back, I really don't think it's me. I really think that the Spirit of God came on me and helped me to memorize. It it gave me additional wisdom that Stan Johnson just doesn't have. Now, that's good news, because I think that as we start studying God's Word, He will give you the wisdom too, and not just for revelation, but if a person wants to know about Jesus and the things Jesus has spoken and he's doing, if they want to know, if they want to know bad and if they'll work at it, then he will give it to them. So I started memorizing it, and it was pretty difficult. And each evening along about, well, my my method of operation in those days is I would watch Fox News, and then after I got done watching Sean Hannity, Then I would turn off the TV. That was typically around 9.30. And, of course, uh, I had to scratch my wife's back to get her to sleep. So after that, then I would get up. And typically I would have to have oh probably about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, I would spend working on memorizing it. And, of course, in the beginning it went pretty slow. I don't have to tell you that. But, nevertheless, I kept going. And I needed some encouragement. So I thought, okay. At least I can memorize halfway through, okay? So if I get halfway through, then I can say to myself, well, at least I memorized half of it. So I looked up, what is the very center of the book of Revelation? I took out all of the titles, all of the numbers, so it was nothing but text, put it in one big text block, 
And I worked down to where I finally figured out the very center word. Because many times in a verse, especially a chapter, the center word of that verse or that chapter is the center point of the primary thing it's talking about. The interesting part of that is it's Revelation twelve nine, And the very center word is the word cast out. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Meaning, the book of Revelation is really not about a revelation to the church, although that's what the church calls it, the book of Revelation. More correctly, we would really call it cast out, because that's the central theme of the book of Revelation, how the great dragon is finally going to be cast out of heaven. And then, of course, you go into the next verse. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Meaning, the whole point of the book of Revelation is that the great dragon is cast out of heaven, which, by the way, I might also add, I know a lot of people think that that happened a long time ago. Actually, that has not happened because the Bible said, I just read it, he accuses them before God day and night. Well, where is Satan right now? He is standing before God, accusing them day and night. That is his job. That doesn't happen, or he's not cast out of heaven until the middle of the tribulation. Here, I'll read that. This is Revelation twelve seven, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was the place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That happens in the middle of the tribulation. That's the reason Lucifer comes down and then inhabits the beast, the beast meaning he has the beast and also Lucifer inside him. That is when he goes in and sits on the Ark of the Covenant, which is a wooden chair made of shittim wood. That's what it's called, overlaid with, according to Ron White, about 600 pounds of gold. It's a golden chair, about three foot wide. And that's the throne of God. The, the, the beast will sit on that, proclaim himself God, and require that they stop animal sacrifice. And at that point, that's when the image of the beast, as well as the false prophet, point to this guy and say, that's the man God. That's the real Messiah. And, of course, unfortunately, the Jews that haven't accepted Christ will say, oh, yes, that's him. They will accept him. Bible says, I come in my Father's name, and you don't accept me. But another will come in his own name, and him you will accept. That's the Jews accepting this guy, which is actually the beast, as their Messiah. Now, what I wanted to get to today is talking about this chart. See, when God showed me these, well, let, me, let me continue with my story. What happened? So I started memorizing the book of Revelation. And what happened was I started getting revelations. Now, if you haven't had one of those, let me try to explain to you. It's like I told you the other day. I was watching Fox News, and I saw that the stock market hit an all-time high, and this knowing came on me. And I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't have a dream or vision, an angel vision, nothing like that. 
but a knowing came on me, and that knowing said to me, and I'm not telling you anything to do, I'm just telling you what happened to me, that knowing came in my heart. That's the same place in my heart that I look to every day to do a broadcast. As a matter of fact, I just did a broadcast for today, and I'm just throwing it away, because at the end of it, that knowing came on me and said, no, don't say that. So I threw away a whole broadcast because of that knowing. After you've walked with the Lord for a while, you come to recognize that knowing. It's that same knowing that when I'm giving personal prophecies, I'm willing to look at the person and say, tell me I'm wrong. I dare you because I know that I know that I know, no, no, that God's talking to me. Well, that knowing came on me and basically said, the stock market is about to crash. Now, I take that as not immediately. Might not even happen the first quarter of next year. I don't know. But for me, it said, the stock market is about to crash. Anything you don't want to lose, put in silver. So that very next day, I called cornerstoneassetmetals.com, talked to Terry Saka. I said, Terry, I don't have much money. I said, but I feel like I need to put it in silver. He took a check over the phone that cleared the very next day, and silver arrived a couple of days later. And again, I'm not telling you to buy silver, but if you do get it from cornerstoneassetmetals.com, mention Prophecy Club. I'm just telling you that's what God told me to do. So that same knowing began to come on me as I'm reading the book of Revelation. And there were many times I would see things in the scriptures that I'd never seen before. That knowing came on me. And you have to understand, I've been teaching the book of Revelation and Daniel for, I don't know, at that point, about 25 years. I mean, I've done several DVDs on it. You can order the DVDs, and you'll see that what are on those old DVDs. You won't find anything that is in the Secret Door book that I talked about in those old DVDs. All of the information in the Secret Door is all new information. And I'll say, I think, and so far, no one has emailed me saying, oh, I already knew that. Oh, so-and-so, he's already teaching that. Nobody and some, I don't know, 15,000, 20,000 books we sold, no one has emailed me saying they already knew this. It's all new information in the secret door to understand Bible prophecy. I believe, and I know this sounds arrogant, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just trying to honestly tell you the truth here. I honestly believe that this information is like the book of Revelation was given to the book of John. No one had that information until John was given that information. And I believe that no one still to this day has been given the information that I was given that I put into the secret door. I think a secret door was given because you're about to be a, a tribulation saint and you have a need to know. You need to know and understand how the feasts mix with the prophecies. And let me go back to my story. So anyway, one prophecy said, I put a lock over the word, over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you, and it will make many books on eschatology obsolete books. That's this book. The secret word, the secret door, is the word first fruits. It's found in Leviticus 23.10 and Revelation 14.4. That word first fruits, when you understand that, all of a sudden the scrambled up, the scrambled eggs... <laughs> prophecies of Revelation can, for the first time, put in correct chronological order. In other words, the prophecies do have order, and the order 
is found in the feasts. It's kind of like, I use the example hopscotch. Remember when I was a kid, you did, you know, you drew the square and then the one square and then two squares and then one square and the, okay, hopscotch. Well, the feasts represent the hopscotch. The feasts are the order of the prophecies. So you might say they're like cups. The feasts are cups to which you pour in the prophecies. So if you don't have the cups, if you don't have the hopscotch, you don't have the order, then it's all mixed up. And that's the reason some people think, oh, well, the great white throne doesn't take place until the end of the millennium. Wrong. That's what I call the greatest single error in the book of Revelation. Not that the book of Revelation is error. I'm saying people misunderstand. They misunderstand the rapture. That's one of the other big reasons people believe that there's a preacher rapture because they don't have the secret door. They don't understand that the feasts are the pattern to put the prophecies of Revelation into. Now, I'm going to go through and explain this chart. Now, if you have the book, then you should pull out that book. You should look at that chart. If you don't have the chart, it's free. It's downloadable at prophecyclub.com. Go to the download section, and there's actually two charts you want to download. One is called Prophecies in the Feasts or the Feast Chart. The other one is called the seven-year chart. The one I'm talking about today are the feasts. Now, yes, I know there's more than seven feasts, but for our purpose, we're only going to be discussing seven of them because those seven feasts are the ones that are the pattern for the prophecies of Revelation. Those are Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles. Now, Passover, Unleavened Bread, we can toss away in terms of the last days. Why? Because they have already been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the Passover because he was our Passover. He fulfilled unleavened bread. He was in the heart of the earth for three days. And he fulfilled the first fruits because he was the first fruits of them that slept. And prophetic time stopped when Jesus arose from the dead on first fruits, So no more prophetic time has passed. I know there's a lot of people out there, including me. I used to be one of them. They're always trying to calculate. Well, let's see, it's been 2,000 years. Oh, that means Jesus is going to come back in 2,000 years. <laughs> or that means Jesus is going to come back in the year 2020 or 2,000. I mean, there are all kinds of cal- Well, you throw all those calculations away because that's not the way it works. When the Gentile book of life is filled, we learned this from Maurice Scalar in that vision, then the tribulation will start, and not until then. Okay, so why is it that first fruits is so important? Because prophetic time stopped. In other words, try to imagine a stopwatch that all of a sudden stopped when Jesus arose from the dead. And prophetic time in terms of the seven years, you know, 70 weeks are determined upon the people to put a, an end of sin and all that. So that pathetic, prophetic time stopped on first fruits. Then you can insert on about or around 2,000 years for the church age. Then prophetic time will start again. Here's the important part on first fruits once again. When Jesus returns on the final first fruits, which is seven months before he returns, about. Okay. So, First fruits, he will return, and he returns on the Mount Zion with 144,000. This is one of the things I've never heard anybody talk on. Revelation 4, 14, 1 says, 
I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. The next time you're around a pre-tribber, ask him that question. Ask him, please explain to me, when Jesus returns, according to Revelation 14.1, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their forehead. Ask them to explain how does Jesus returning to Mount Zion fit in with a pre-trib? Because, first of all, they're going to look at you like a cow looking at a new gate. <laughs> they aren't going to have an answer because as far as I've been able to discern here out there, and my ears kind of to the ground of Bible prophecy, no one has ever been able to explain that one. Well, I can explain it. Again, that's one of the revelations. Because it's talking about the next time Jesus returns. Yes, that's correct. Jesus returned not one more time, two more times. I cannot tell you how many times. See, I had a lot of corrections I had to make in my understanding, too, when all of these revelations started coming to me. I cannot tell you how many times. I said, Jesus is only going to return one more time. He's going to return to the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives splits in two to the east, the west, north, south. I said it. Wrong wrong the next time he returns is to mount zion on first fruits he resurrects 144,000 one-year-old israeli boys probably to mature bodies they have no guile in their mouth why because they're one-year-old they never learn to talk they're without fault before the throne of god why because they're one-year-old they never had any sin they are resurrected probably to mature bodies though they could be children Anyway, so they're resurrected to Mount Zion. Now, what do they do? Well, for 50 days, the Bible does not exactly tell what they do, but we do know it says, they follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. So apparently, Jesus walks around. And since the Mount Zion actually is, it'll be full with 144,000 people on it. If they're walking around, they're either walking in a circle or they're walking all over Jerusalem. My guess is they're probably walking all over Jerusalem and maybe all, all over Israel. Who knows how far they're going to go, but they're going to have a pretty powerful testimony. So they're one-year-old, no guile in the mouth, walk all over for 50 days. At the end of the 50 days, then it's Pentecost. Those who are ready get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the Jews and the Gentiles. They go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How do you know the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on Pentecost? I'm so glad you asked. Because if you go into Exodus, I want to say it's verse or chapter 11, maybe 13. But anyway, I'm doing this off the top of my head here. But there's a scripture that says in the third month. Well, there's only one uh, feast in the third month. And that's the Feast of Pentecost. That's an easy one. And what did they do? This is when God spoke audibly for the first time to a large group of people on the earth. And he said, basically, this is putting it in layman's terms, I'll be your God if you'll be my people. And they said, yea, Lord, you know, whatever you say, we'll do. You know, they were afraid. They said, from there on, they said, don't talk to us. You talk to Moses and we'll listen to Moses. It must have been very, very scary to hear a voice speak that's coming from everywhere speaking to them. Well, that was the marriage proposal. That happened on Pentecost. And the final fulfillment of that is when we 
who are ready, not everyone, goes to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, what happens to ones that are Christians who are saved, but they weren't ready? Well, that's Revelation fourteen thirteen. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. They weren't ready to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but they're still saved. So, four months later, when Jesus returns with us, the armies in heaven, on white horses, then they will get their just rewards then too, even if they die. So we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's not about us. It's about the bride. We only get a wedding garment and a white horse. Jesus, however, is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He has given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and a white horse. And when he returns, and he comes forth and serves us, about four months later is the grape harvest. This is Armageddon. Jesus is now returning as Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's no longer the Lamb of God. He's returning as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's no longer Prince of the kings of the earth. And with him, two angels return with sharp sickles. Those sharp sickles is what slash the grapes. The grapes represent those people that are evil. Okay? If you do a research, you'll find that there's like six verses in the Bible that have the word apple in them. None of them are bad. Do a research on grape or wine. <laughs> you'll find about 250, 300 verses. Everything to do with the grape and wine is all evil. I mean, you know, what was it that got Noah in trouble? wine. Okay, you could go through the scriptures at all. So grapes and wine all represents evil. So that's Armageddon. The two angels slash the grapes. That's what causes the horse, uh, the, the blood to rise to the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. Then Jesus returns with the morning star. Now, let me talk about the morning star for just a second. What's the morning star? One of the benefits of being an overcomer is he that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, the same will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and as the vessels of a potter, they shall be broken to shivers, or ashes, even as I received of my Father, and I will give him the morning star. Jesus also says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. If any man will hurt them, Fire proceedeth out of their mouth, that's the morning star. Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Then upon Armageddon, when Jesus returns, the last time, on the Feast of Trumpets, he says, And I saw the beast and his armies gathered and make war against him and the horse and his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, which which wrought miracles before them, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that had worshipped his image. These were both cast alive into the lake burning with fire and brimstone, and the remnant, that means all of the rest of them, and the remnant were slain, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So the morning star is a bright, like a laser, like a light sword that comes out of his mouth. Now, let me summarize all this. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much for listening and supporting this ministry. I honestly believe that one of these days we are going to be in sports stadiums. We're going to see the people coming down out of those bleachers, tears in their eyes, falling in their face, giving their heart to Jesus. I honestly believe we are about to see miracles 
like no one going back to Adam has ever seen. And those miracles, along with obviously some other things God has got to do I don't know about, are going to bring in those last remaining names whose names are in the book of life, but they've not come to receive Jesus yet. And then once the Gentile book of life is filled, so says the angel that spoke to Dimitri, then God will go to the Jewish book of life. And that's probably about the end of the Gentile era. Remember, the Bible says that Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I believe that the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. I believe that that is the opening of the first seal, which is the end of the Gentile era and the starting of the Jewish era, because that's seven years. I believe that the tribulation starts on the Feast of Trumpets and ends 2,520 days later on the Feast of Trumpets. Jesus returns the next time on first fruits, resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. It's all in my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. He walks all around, not just Mount Zion, but all around Jerusalem for about 50 days. Then on the 50th day, Pentecost, he resurrects all those who are ready. That's Jews and Gentiles washed in the blood of the Lamb. They go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper, we are not the subject. We only get a wedding garment. And then Jesus is given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and a white horse. We're also given a white horse. And Jesus is changed from being the Lamb of God to become the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Changed from being the Prince of the Kings of the Earth to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Four months later, on the Feast of Trumpets, we, the armies in heaven, riding white horses clothed in fine and white linen, return with him and the two angels along with them, the two angels having sharp sickles, and they slash the grapes. And the winepress is trodden without the city, and wine press comes, uh, blood comes out of the winepress, even under the horse bridles by the space of 1,600 furlongs. And that's the two angels. Then Jesus useth the morning star. We do not help. We only observe. The morning star is a bright light that comes out of his mouth and his nose. And he blows it. It goes all the way to the center of the earth, sets the foundation of the mountains on fire. That's when he arises to shake terribly the earth. As the morning star hits the sinners, they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. As the morning star hits us, be we in the grave or just come out of the grave or on the ground or on the white horses. As it hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. At that moment, we get a light body, a new body of light. At that moment, we get all of our rewards, our crowns, our mantles, all of the garments, everything we're going to have for eternity, all in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. That's the seventh trump. There is no pre-trib, mid-trib, or pre-wrath rapture. God is, and in several times and places has promised, he will protect those people with a clean heart. That is, except those people that have been chosen to be physical witnesses for him. And that's, of course, all his choosing. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. I was shown a secret door linking the feasts to the prophecies of Revelation. 
For the first time, the book of Revelation can be put in correct chronological order. You can understand Bible prophecy. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of five. One for 20, but don't do that. Five for 35 or 10 for 60. What is the most important information to every beating heart on the globe? After except Jesus, it would be don't take the mark of the beast. Those taking the mark of the beast do not get soul death, but are tormented in the lake of fire and brimstone for eternity. How do you tell them? Give them miss the mark. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10. One for 20, 10 for 30, and 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. Over the past 32 years, I've collected the best 101 prophecies from Dimitri Dudeman, Michael Boldea, Leslie Johnson, Henry Gruber, Shane Warren, Terry Bennett, Marie Sklar, Augusto Perez, Doug Metzger, and more. It's called God's Warnings for America. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of five. One for 20, but don't do that. Five for 35 or 10 for 60. My new book is called Tribulation Secrets in Daniel because that's what it does. It shows you the part of Daniel you need to know then you're about to be a tribulation saint and will desperately need to know and understand about the last days you live in. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10, 1 for 20, 10 for 30, and 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. Click like, share, and subscribe.